the passage that we read today is in the context of Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is what theologians call the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is upon a hill or a mountain, and his disciples are gathered around him, and he's teaching them. And he's teaching them what it means to live as people of the kingdom of God. You see, when you enter into a kingdom, you need to understand its culture, and you need to understand its rules. And in fact, as you get to understand the culture, its laws, the way it projects love, the way it deals with injustice, the way it deals with, with people who are poor, the more you will see that this culture or this kingdom, perhaps, is something you want to be a part of or something you want to distance yourself from. Many of us who've gone to other countries or, or lived in other countries, we, we, we understand this experience. You go to somewhere new, and the customs are slightly different. Perhaps you want to start a business and, and the laws about how to, to, to get the, the permission to, to start, the, the tax laws, everything is different. And you might look at that and say, I like it. This is beneficial. Or you might look at it and say, well, this isn't quite what I've experienced in the States or other parts of the country that I lived in. You might look at how they, they deal with the, the poor and the, the disenfranchised and you say, this culture understands what it is to, to take care of those who are downtrodden. You might look at another culture and say, they need still a little bit more work, perhaps. But Beatitudes, Matthew 5 through 7, works sort of like that. People are sitting about Jesus, and Jesus explained to them the blessings and the joy of the ethics of living in the kingdom of God. And he's basically telling the disciples, listen, the gospel which I preach to you, the citizenship test, if I can say it, that you must take to come into the kingdom of God, well, once you enter into it, here are the ethics. Here's what the kingdom looks like. And so for, for many of us, Matthew 5 through 7 is for us to take a step back, to look into our hearts, and to ask ourselves the question, is our understanding of the gospel, and is our understanding of the kingdom of God, does our ethics truly reflect what it means to be saved by grace and grace alone? We understand in Scripture that Jesus has called us out of darkness. That Jesus calls us to himself while yet we were still sinners. God demonstrated his love for us by dying on the cross. God has called you to himself, not demanding any change upon entrance into his kingdom, but to come with your sin. And God welcomes you with your sin. God does not say to us, here are the conditions to enter into my kingdom. God says to you, simply come. I will plant in you 
the seed of faith. And you yourselves will confess with your mouth that you belong to me. All of us who know Jesus knows this experience. That no matter how much we've reasoned about what it means to follow God, there's a personal experience of seeing Jesus face to face and knowing that I belong to him. That the Spirit has united my heart with his. And we can rejoice. And you should rejoice. You should rejoice that you can come to God now. You should rejoice that you can pray to God now. You should rejoice that there's nothing in your way at this moment from you to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you now. That's the story of grace that Jesus explains and that Paul himself explains even further in his epistles that you have been saved by grace through faith, not by your works, so that no one may boast. But God has called us not simply to receive that faith, but God transforms our hearts by that same seed, by that same spirit, to live a life according to his kingdom. And so for us to, to see that if that seed that God has planted in us is truly growing well, we need to look at our ethics and we need to look at how we're living. And how we're living will help us to dictate where it is that we need to, to continue to confess our sins and where we need to continue to measure our lives in a way that will honor our God. So in our passage today, there are three things that Jesus does. First, he gives a command. Second, he gives an explanation. And third, he gives an example. First, he gives a command. Second, an explanation. And third, an example. The command here is very simple to the people around him. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's command for us to, to have this kingdom mindset is to understand where our citizenship is, and what is the currency that God has given us to spend. Let me say that again. If we belong to the Lord and to his kingdom, if we belong to this new culture that he's building, if we belong to this new city, if we belong to a place where we have this king named Jesus, this place has a currency that God has given to his people to use or to spend. That is different from the currency that the world has us to spend. 
And God wants us to understand where, where do we invest our money or where do we invest our, our, our work and in which currency do we trust in? You know, if you follow the news, you will know that um, Venezuela is almost a failed nation. It's almost a failed nation. The, the leadership there is holding that, that country by a thread uh, with, with a heavy hand. But if you follow the news, you will see that a lot of these Venezuelans are crossing into Colombia as a way to, to, to find food, to find shelter. And it was really interesting because on the other side in Colombia, you see these Venezuelans taking Venezuela currency or money, these, these, these dollar bills or these bills that they have. And they're making out of them handbags, wallets, anything you can origami, they start making. They start making all of these things out of that currency so that they could sell them to the Colombians and get Colombian pesos. Because they start to realize that their money is, is, is worthless. It, it has no value. And so what do they do with it? It just becomes origami paper. And they trade in something that does have value. When Jesus says here, do not lay up your treasures on earth, but lay them up in heaven. God wants us to see that there is a long-term view about being in God's kingdom. And there's a long-term investment strategy that we has, have as God's people in order to, if I can say it this way, live well with God forever and ever. This might sound a little bit morbid, but have you ever taken a walk through a cemetery? And you see the tombstones around you. And they can be really old or relatively new. And you look at them and some are very simple. They just have a name, date of birth, and the date that they had passed away. But some of them will have some explanations like loving father, uh, loving mother, uh, Georgia Bulldog to, to, the, to, to the day I die. Um, funniest man who ever lived. But you'll never see on those tombstones, anything like Forbes top 200 richest man in 2010. You will never see peak net worth in 2007, $2.4 million. You will never see owner of three homes Because even this world and, these, and the people who do not know the Lord understand that the value 
of the treasures of money here have no worth. For us as God's people, God is saying to us, if, if, you know, if you know me, I have planted my heart in you. You know the currency of my kingdom. You know what is important. You know what are the, the, the financial and legal transactions that count uh, most for me. You are no longer to store up treasures here on this earth like this world, but you are to use to store up the currency. that will give you a wealthy and rich life. And that currency, simply, my brothers and sisters, is to love God and to love people. When Jesus says to us, love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and love your neighbor as you would love yourself, God is showing us the currency of his kingdom. It's our willingness by his spirit to love people and by his spirit also to receive love from God and to receive love from brothers and sisters as well. Now, this currency that we have is not something that we have to make. This is, this is not this refugee, this Venezuelan refugee in Colombia gathering resources and, and, and making these, these fancy bags. God himself has planted in you his Holy Spirit which gives you an infinite resource to love him and to love people. And this resource that he gives us, he wants us to use and to use well that we may store up treasures or joy up in heaven. The hardest thing for most of us in this world today is to love when we don't feel like loving. Let me say that again. I think for many of us, we think that we love only when we feel like loving. And that when we don't feel like loving, we can simply say, well, that's such how I feel right now. It's okay for me not to love. Or we don't feel like loving, we just say, I'm just being honest with myself. This is who I am. And so I can't love you right now because I need to take care of myself. And we hear that wisdom from the world. But when we look at scripture, we don't see that. We don't, say, we don't see God saying to you, love when you're ready to love. Love when, you're, when you feel like your tank is full, your love tank is full. But God's command to us is to love in every circumstance that God places us in. And in fact, this type of love, of being able to love despite our circumstances, and despite what our flesh tells us, is that not a sign that the love 
of Christ is different from the love of the world. Is that not a sign that the ethics that we have, the way that we love, the way that our kingdom understands love, the way that our kingdom understands the currency of our kingdom is different from the world? That our treasures are not here, but our treasures are stored up in heaven. And here's the beauty of that. You want heaven to be a place that you want to go to. You want heaven to be a place that you recognize, brothers and sisters. You don't want to go to heaven and go, oh, this was the place. It's like this new location that we have. Right now, this is our second time worshiping in this, in this room, and you know, there's quite a few people here who helped to, to set it up, but we still have a long way to go. There's a part of me, right, that longs for this place to look perfect. I want people to feel welcome. I want people to, to feel like this is a warm place. You know, so like, I want to change this. I want to change that. I won't say anything right now or else you're going to see everything. <laughs> I, I want this to change. I want that to change. I want this to be better. I want that to be better. I want people to come and feel like this is a warm place, that this place is a place that they, they long to be in. And so my mind goes to, okay, what do we need? What do we don't need? From the biggest things to the littlest of things. For some of you who are, who are new homeowners, you, you sort of understand what that looks like. When we go to heaven, what we're doing living in this world is we are planting our vision of what heaven will look like as we love people, as we love Christ. We're thinking, my goodness, I need to read God's word more because I I need to know how to love my Jesus because I'm going to meet him face to face. And I I don't want to be completely surprised by everything. I want to be in awe, but I want to see my love for him and his love for me come to completion because I'm working at it here because I, because I want to know him. I want to love my brothers and sisters here in such a way, it's going to be hard, but in such a way that, that I see what God is doing in each one of these, each one of these people here in this room. Because when I go to heaven and I see them without their sins, and when I see them made whole and complete, I want to be able to rejoice with them and say, dude, I told you, I told you one day it will be perfect. Did I not? Remember all those years that we fought together over temptation? Remember all those years that we fought for God's kingdom together? Remember all those people we loved together who, who were very difficult to love from our own human perspective? And here we all are in heaven together. Praise be to the Lord. Those are the treasures that God wants us to store up, lay up in heaven. The currency that he gives us is not money, but it's love. And this love is not does not come from a human source, from ourselves, but this love comes from the Lord. This love is born out of difficulty. This love is born out of knowing Jesus is suffering. And this love is born out of seeing the Holy Spirit 
create and engender it as we relate to one another. Let me tell you, it's good to say after a long day of loving someone going, Lord, that was so not me today. It was all you. Forgive me. My heart wasn't in it, but thank you. You gave me the right words to say, the right things to do. Thank you that you are slowly showing my heart what it means to really value the people around me. Thank you that this time I didn't get as upset as last time. Thank you for it's you working in me. It's not my mind. It's not the world's values. It is yours. Second, sort of a brief explanation or exposition of one of the things that we need to be careful about in terms of how do we um, store up this treasure in heaven. Now, we all understand that sin comes from the heart. Sin comes when we think about sin and we allow that sin to enter into our hearts and we start to play with it and we start to have fun with it. And all of a sudden, those thoughts become a deed and that deed that we do will hurt ourselves or hurt other people. But there's an explanation here that's actually very real for many of us. And that is whatever we look at, wherever our eye peers at, our physical eye, especially here, that that is where our treasure lies. And depending where our eyes roam will depend upon how we feed our hearts. What we see and what we want is the water or the food for our souls. I think we can all understand this perfectly well. I still remember the day um, when I first came to, um, to Atlanta, Georgia. And this was like 2005. And this was, this was just in the beginning of the whole foodie movement. And right now, there's great food in every city in, in the US. It's just, it's just unbelievable. I remember when I first came here with, with, you know, with, with my wife, and I was just in awe of this store called H Mart and just how much Korean food there was and Asian food. I was in awe of how much prepared food there was that you can just buy it, take it home, and it tastes good. I was amazed about how diverse Korean cuisine really was. I mean, there are so many different types of Korean restaurants. And even today, you can't keep up with the new ones that are opening and the new ones that are, and the old ones that are closing. And all of a sudden, and this is many of us in our culture right here today, my palate was very simple. In many ways, it's still pretty simple. I, I grew up and I, I, was, I, I grew up basically thinking food is fuel, something that you eat just to get through the day. But the longer I've been at this church, the longer I've got to know many of you, and the, long, the more you guys have exposed me to different things, all of a sudden my, my eyes see things I've never seen before. Look, there's a new restaurant. 
look, there's another new restaurant. Whereas before, all I saw was just Korean lettering. And it's like, you know, it is what it is. But my eyes were open to something I, I've never saw before. And, and as I see those things, my heart starts to want good food. Now, that's an innocuous example. But you start to see that the more, whatever your eyes take in, your heart starts to want. I know many of you, if you're like me, especially guys, when you're buying technology, you're on Amazon for hours or days or weeks trying to find that one thing. And every time you find that one thing, you just go, I could spend $100 more. Let's see what's $100 more. And then you're like, oh, you know what? I could spend another $100 more. And what used to be just like a $1,000 purchase, all of a sudden becomes like a couple thousand dollars. You're like, and then, and then you're, someone has to talk you back and you go, dude, you don't need all that stuff. Pare it down. Pare it down. Jesus saying to us, it's very simple, is that one of the things that we've got to be careful about an explanation of, of how we do not uh, store our store treasures here on earth is to limit yourself and be careful what your eyes dwell upon, what your eyes look upon. Instead, pray to the Lord, Lord, let my eyes dwell upon your word. Let my eyes dwell upon your kingdom. Let my eyes dwell upon people, brothers and sisters and let my love grow for them. Lastly, I know this is longer than I expected, um, is an example. And the example that, God, uh, that, that um, Jesus gives here is simply money. Now he could have given other examples. He could have given examples of, of marriage or singleness, children, job, power, whatever it may be. But the example that he gives here is money. And so it's something that you and I need to always look upon and, and understand as well. I think especially this time of age during the pandemic, when I look at this room, I would say that about almost all of you here in this room were not affected negatively by the pandemic because you're not wage workers. Most of you have probably seen your 401ks go up. Most of you have probably seen your, uh, your house value go up. Uh, most of you have probably seen uh, opportunities to earn more money uh, increase. Um, and it's, it's interesting because like when I talk with people your generation now, everyone talks about cryptocurrency, everyone. Everyone's talking about the stock market more than I've ever seen people talk about the stock market. People are talking about investing a lot more than, uh, it's not a bad thing, let me say it's not a bad thing, but people are talking more about investing more than I've ever seen people talk about investing. It's a bull market for many of us, I mean, for, before our country during this COVID time. But there's a danger, is there not, of checking your portfolio every day, of looking at the value of your cryptocurrency every day, of dreaming about retirement or what they call the FIRE movement, the 
financially independent uh, retire, early retirement. God wants us to spend our time looking at his word and loving the people who are around us. Brothers and sisters, um, I want to encourage all of you once again. We belong to God in his kingdom. God does not look at us and say you're accepted or not by how much we store in heaven and how much we store on earth. God loves us the way we are in with our indwelling sin as well. The freedom God gives us is the ability to come to him and ask him and go to him and say, Lord, teach me to find joy in your kingdom. Teach me to live by your ethics. Teach me to live in such a way that when I am pleasing you, my joy increases as well. That I am looking forward to heaven, Lord God. I am looking forward to seeing you face to face. I'm looking forward to see all my brothers and sisters together worshiping you in perfect unison to hear everyone's perfect story of how God has brought us together in his everlasting kingdom. Praise be to God, brothers and sisters. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless our church. May we be a signpost to all that the love of Jesus is alive and well. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. There truly is no one like you. You are our king. You are the one who rules with justice and with love over your church. And we thank you, Lord, that we are your sons and your daughters, not your subjects. That you count us as partners. That you count us as, count us as co-laborers, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that you have bestowed upon us everything that we need for godliness, Lord God. So Lord, teach us to say no again, for we can say no. Teach us to say yes to you, because we can say yes to you. Teach us all of this, Lord God, that this church, that your kingdom may grow into its fullness. We thank you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.